I am honored to be able to speak to y'all about this topic as it's one that is near and dear to my very own little heart. Um, as I've struggled with guilt and shame just um, probably most of my life. So as I'm up here talking, don't think that I've got this mastered and under control and that I never struggle from false guilt or never struggle with dealing with shame. So um, if you are out there and as you listen and you can resonate to some of my story or you can resonate to what it's like to have false guilt, um, know that you are not alone and that God has a wonderful path to freedom for you today. So um, that is my hope um, and my heart that you would hear this and we would snap some chains today through Christ's blood and that we would no longer be um, just held to condemnation because that is not why Jesus died on the cross for us. So um, as Millie said, I am Desi Brown and I do have four awesome kids and I need to remember that I'm the one clicking this thing. so these are my uh, kiddos. Um, they, I no longer have four under the age of five. Abby um, just turned five a couple weeks ago, and her brother Paul just recently turned four. Um, but I have been very blessed. Um, I would not have planned having my kiddos this way, but I really feel like it's a way that God has sharpened me and really caused me to rely on him because I am a self-reliant fool in many ways. Um, I'm very, again, just very excited to talk to you all about... um, this topic, even just yesterday, I got together with a friend, and she was just confiding in me just some of the stuff that goes on, on her, in her head just on a daily basis. Um, shame about her kids, guilt about um, just about everything under the sun. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? But some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you know what it's like to be your very worst enemy. Um, you don't need somebody else pointing out your flaws because you are too busy pointing out every single flaw that you have. So if that's you, um, or you're somewhere in between, or you feel like you've got a good grip on this, either way, I'm just so fired up that you're here um, to hear some of God's truth. And again, this... um some of this involves my story, but this is not about me. It's really, um, I'm fired up about it because it's God's story and what he's done for each and every one of, each and every one of us. Um, when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just some random thing that you just fell into the lump with that. He died on the cross and he had your name um, written on his heart and he died for you specifically. Okay, so um, let me just go ahead and start briefly um, just a little bit about my story. Um, like I said, I have struggled with guilt and shame probably most of my life. I wore it like um, a very comfy coat that you would wear during the winter. Um, I loved it. Um, At least I thought that I loved it. But it was very comfortable to me. I didn't know any other way. Um, People would give me compliments, and it was like, you know, um, compliments are great, but I had no clue how to rub those compliments in and let them affect my heart. So I almost felt guilty about getting compliments. You know, somebody would say, oh, you're so blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, yeah, inside my head, yeah, but if you really knew who I really was, then you wouldn't be saying that. So um, it was my beautiful guilt coat that I wore. Um, And motherhood, these little monkeys, wonderful monkeys, brought that guilt to a whole new level. I discovered guilt in ways that I never knew um, were possible. Um, Becoming a mother and discovering I was pregnant, that even started a whole rash of guilt. Um, 
but becoming a mother, I knew really not much about being a mom. Um, I didn't feel very equipped to be a mom, even though I had a mother. Um, I just felt like I was ill-prepared. And what I knew for my kids and the legacy that I wanted to hand down is that I wanted to break away from what my family modeled to me, and my husband wanted to break away from what he modeled. So here we are. We want to go on this new path with our kids and help raise healthy Christ followers um, who love God with all their hearts um, and who aren't handed down this legacy of rags, but we had no clue how to change that. Um, So we kind of were going around um, in the dark. So um, guilt started in pregnancy. Um, Oh my gosh, I had a nice tea. What if my baby comes out with two heads? Like anything. Like it just starts, it started very early on. Oh my gosh, I had a big nap. What if my baby has an extra toe? It just, um, from what I ate or I'm stressing out. Oh my goodness, that's going to affect my baby. Just anything um, that you're supposed to control, like, um, it just totally made me feel guilty. Um, and then Abby is born. Um, as, as you can see these roles, like um, I'm sure many of you, you ladies can um, understand, you're handed this precious um, little baby um, and the terror that you have bringing this child home for the first time. Like you um, guys are going to let me go home alone with this child? You're going to trust me with that? Um, but motherhood, like now that I have four kids into it, it's like... We're all smart enough to take a baby and make sure that they can survive. Like, we are equipped with that. We don't need a thousand books to figure out how to change a baby's diaper and how to change a baby and how to do all these crazy things. Um, The best piece of advice that I could give to y'all, if y'all are still clinging to those books, throw them away. Throw the books away. I wanted to be so prepared for motherhood, so I read so many books and I guess in some ways that was great but it really it kind of made me crazy oh if I'm not on this two hour nursing schedule oh if I don't have them on the sleeping schedule oh if I don't have them on blah 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 then I must be a bad horrible mother so instead of just holding it loosely like okay that's a perspective that's good that's information um, I held it as the Bible so um, for those of you who know that that's your temperament just throw the books away you're going to figure it out you're not You're not stupid. God gave you ladies each a very intelligent mind to be able to figure out how to raise this child. And it may not look like this book or that book. The other crazy thing is there's so many conflicting views. Just let your home and be the mom that God created you to be. You don't need a book to tell you how to be a mother. Um, You are a great mother. God gave you that baby for a reason. So if you guys struggle, you girls struggle with guilt over those books, throw them away. Burn them. Let's have a book burning party. It'll be great. It'll be the first building blocks. Burn your book and burn the guilt party. So um, if you have friends, baby for the first time, tell them to throw those books away. Um, So that was great. So uh, the reason why I show you these pictures of Abigail, so uh, this is when she's about three months old, and uh, I remember I would be nursing her, um, and I would be thinking, oh my gosh, I wonder if she's eating enough. I wonder if she's getting enough milk. I wonder if she is starving. Look at that baby. She's got rolls. That girl did not lack a meal. I had wonder milk. But instead of just like delighting in the fact that I... I have pure lard going into my daughter. Um, I was worried about whether or not she was eating enough. You know, looking back, I'm like, 
what kind of crack was I smoking? Because look at that baby. That's just, that's just pretty silly. Um, okay, but this is just the insanity that I lived in. Um, and my constant thought was, I'm going to screw them up, or I am screwing them up. And that is just not a place where, uh, just not a good place as a mom. You don't want to constantly think that I'm messing up my child. Um, so that wasn't good at all. So then entered, I don't have a picture of Paul, but... Um, Paul was my second born. Um, so I thought I had a lot of guilt with her. Enter child number two. And the guilt that can come with child number two is crazy. It, it's insane. So I felt guilty because I couldn't spend enough of time with her. I felt guilty because I really didn't want to spend time with this crying little baby. I'd rather spend time with her. And then what kind of a mother am I if I don't even want to spend time with my own little baby? But then I can't spend enough time with him. Maybe if I spent more time with Paul, then maybe maybe. She wouldn't be crying so much so it was just this insanity always going on in my head and then by the third one I realized oh they're actually okay they're not little mutants or anything like they really survived um, they can do on not having my full 100% attention so if you're on number two Throw the guilt away. It's okay. And if you, your baby, you're not connecting with that second baby or your third baby or fourth baby um, the way that you'd like to, it's okay. You'll get to know them. I love my son, Paul. He is awesome. And I, I listen to, to everybody saying, oh, you'll love your child just as much as your first one. You'll love your second one just as much as your first one. But nobody said, eventually, I had had this year to spend with Abby and really cultivate that relationship with her. And my second child, I just I didn't really know Paul at first so it just took a while to get to know him um, and realize the little guy that God created him to be and now we're, we're all on I don't have any favorites just at times um, <laughs> depending on the day um, so shortly after my second child I, uh, my husband and I started recovery we went to Celebrate Recovery which is a 12 step program here at Watermark Community Church which just has really blessed our family like I talked earlier about wanting to break the cycle and um, break the legacy that was passed down to us that was like a huge leap over here um, in the right direction because we were able to see patterns that were and just God snapped so many things um, just going through Celebrate Recovery that was just awesome but at first when I first started I went because I was angry and because I knew that I was messed up but I didn't know exactly how messed up I was I didn't realize that constantly thinking that I was a horrible wife horrible friend horrible mother um, horrible Christian that that was normal and that that was not how God wanted me to live um, Romans 8.1 says therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I remember hearing that verse and listening to it and I really didn't understand um, what that meant. Or at least I had the head knowledge like, yeah, 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 I'm not guilty, Jesus died for me. But I was living in condemnation. False guilt and shame, that is condemnation and that is not how God wants us to live um, whatsoever. So um, I was living in bondage and really just going through this, I didn't realize exactly even how much bondage I was. So thank you, Jesus. Um, that that is not the truth. Um, this is a snapshot from my blog. It was in 2008. Um, I had my third kiddo, um, Luke, by now. But um, I just wanted to share with you... Um, 
just how I felt. This was my condemnation. Um, I put, Mommy guilt is suffocating me this week. Suffocating me. I can't pull it together this week. There's a tantrum from two at every turn, and the mommy guilt is suffocating. San Antonio is suffocating me. I can't win there. I'll never be fully known there. The mask I wear there is suffocating me. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the breath of life. So I wanted Jesus to take away that condemnation, which he did, but I was not living out of that. I was living in bondage. Um, So this is condemnation. And I didn't realize that, what even condemnation had meant. But that is condemnation, and that is not um, where God wants us to live. He said, that is no. I died on the cross to take that away. Okay, so um, just to kind of continue on, I wanted to break down the difference between shame and guilt. Um, They're sometimes used interchangeably, um, but there is a difference between guilt and shame. So just um, as a definition for guilt, okay, Guilt is the fact of having committed a breach of conduct, especially violating law and involving a penalty. Broadly, um, guilty conduct. Um, Two, the state of one who has committed an offense, especially especially consciously. B, and I love this one, feelings of culpability, especially for imagined offenses or from a sense of inadequacy, self-reproach. So the first time I saw that even preparing, I was like, what? A sense of inadequacy. And I'm sure a lot of us can resonate with that. That is where my mommy guilt comes from. It is from a sense of inadequacy. Um, So that is guilt. Shame, on the other hand, um, is a painful emotion caused by consciousness of guilt, a shortcoming, or impropriety. The susceptibility to such emotion... Um, into the condition condition of humiliating disgrace or disrepute. Um, the shame of being arrested. And blah, blah, blah. Okay, so something, just to kind of um, break that down for you um, just a little bit. Guilt is more, um, I made a mistake. And so you feel guilty about the mistake. Shame, on the other hand, is I made a mistake and I am a mistake. So, for instance, if I am walking along... Um, and there is this cup of coffee in my hand, and I trip. This never happens, by the way. Yeah, right. Um, and I spill coffee maybe all over you. Um, a mistake would, for me to have guilt would be like, oh, my goodness, I am so sorry that I ruined your beautiful green dress. Will you forgive me? Um, shame, on the other hand, instead of realizing, you know what, that was a mistake, I tripped, yada yada I can get over it it would be I am stupid I am clumsy I am always making mistakes it's this I am always I am stupid who who would tell their child that you're stupid for spilling their drink like as moms I mean could you fathom your child spills their drink and you say you stupid you're stupid for spilling that it was an accident and yet we do that to ourselves so shame um, is Guilt can be used by God, but shame is something that God never wants us to feel. And shame is something, it's, it's from the pit. God, God says that you are not a mistake. God says that you are precious in His sight. You are daughters um, of the King. In Isaiah 1 through 9 it says, uh, But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. And I love this part, by name. He called you by name. He said, Tara Lynn, I 
redeemed you by name. Sunday, I redeemed you by name. You didn't fall into this mass of people which I thought for so long. Jesus died on the cross and I just happened to fall into the slump. He summoned you by name. You are not a mistake. You were planned and thought out before the world was created. You. You are precious. So you are summoned by name. You are mine. You are the daughter of the king. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give... What is this? Okay. Um, I give Egypt for your ransom, um, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, you ladies are precious. You're not a mistake. You're not stupid. You're not dumb. You're not a mess. You are precious um, and honored in my sight. And because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. So God is talking to Israel right now. And if you have any um, knowledge of the Old Testament, those Israelites, they were stiff-necked and they were stubborn and they were crazy. God kept saying, love me, love me, love me, and rescuing them. um, But they just kept turning their backs. They did some really crazy, crazy things. I mean, yet God forgave them. And he said, you've messed up. You've shown your kids the wrong way. But I'm going to bring them back to you. I'm going to rescue you. And I'm going to rescue your children. And we're going to start something new here. Um, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. The Lord has sought you out from the ends of the earth because he loves you that much. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, which is each and every one of you, you are not a mistake. You are not a mistake. So that's Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. Um, So you are daughters of the great king. But there is somebody out there who does not like you. Who has who has it out for you? And that is the devil. <laughs> um, he's, he's not that cute, though. Um, John 10.10. 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that, that they may have life and have it to the full. So when you are struggling with shame and false guilt, that is Satan's attempt to steal your joy. God has given you these precious blessings. Your blessing... Um, of friendship um, and your husband, he wants you to enjoy those things and to treasure them. He doesn't want you to be wrapped up and consumed with shame over how you're parenting. He doesn't want to be wrapped up in guilt over the mistakes you have made. He wants to give you free and abundant life. He wants you, yeah, you know what? I yelled at my kid in anger. I had a bad day. I didn't get to sleep well. My baby was up all night long, and so now I'm screaming at the bigs. Um, He wants you to come and say, God, I know that is not how you want me to treat my kids, but I know that I'm forgiven. And to keep moving on. That doesn't define who you are, just having a bad day. It's okay. We all, we all yell at our kids in anger sometimes. And if not, we're cursing at them in our heads. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, you're not alone. Um, There's so many great verses. Uh, As I was going through this, I kept thinking, like even driving, oh, I should have used this verse, I should have used that verse, I should have used this verse. Uh, But the... 
The truth is, is that Bible that you hold is a love letter. All of it is wonderful things that tell you how precious you are. If you're not in that daily, get in it. If you, especially if you struggle with shame and guilt. That daily, you can open it up and it's God saying, I love you. You are not a mistake. I gave you those children. So read it. Remember. And when we've had a particularly hard day, when we know, you know what, I've been parenting out of the the last buckets or PBS has been my babysitter today and you know that you need to pick yourself up and tomorrow it needs to be a better day instead of banging your head with the Bible open it up and read you know what I knew today what God says I knew today would happen and yet I still chose you to be the mother of your kids and you have great things to pass on to them so um, I'm not even here yet so so reasons for guilt um, God does want to use guilt. I mean, there's reasons why we have conviction. Guilt is not this horrible, evil thing. God wants us to draw us to Him in relationship. And sin, frankly, it just separates us from Him. So Romans 3, 23 through 24 is, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But, and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So if you don't know who this Jesus is, I would love to talk to you. There are women here in black um, building block shirts that would love to talk to you. Um, For those of you who have trusted in Christ um, and have asked Him to come into your life and knew that His death on the cross meant that you are forgiven and redeemed, um, that's awesome. But we still, you ladies, need to walk in the light, which I'll talk about here in a second. If you haven't, and you feel guilty, that is God saying, you know what, girl, you're a sinner and I love you and I want to redeem you. So that guilt may be God's way of saying, wake up, you're sinning, but I love you nonetheless because while you are a sinner, I died for you. While you were still messy and yucky and broken um, and wallowing um, in your sin, I loved you and died on the cross for you because you are precious in my sight. So if that's you, um, I'm sorry that you're feeling guilty, but Jesus wants you, baby. So um, come talk to to one of us. I would love to. Um, For those of us who are believers, though, and we are still struggling with um, just guilt, this is some great verses from 1 John 5-9. through This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. So for those of us who claim Christ and we struggle with shame and guilt, um, God, um, or, okay, we're backing up, backing up. <laughs> um, for those of us who are believers, God wants to use guilt when we're walking in darkness. You know, when we turn to um, a box of Girl Scout cookies, when we are hurting or upset um, or want to run away, instead of turning to God and we feel guilty about that, honey, you're supposed to feel guilty about that. Not because you're a loser for eating a box of chocolate, for eating a box of Thin Mints. It's because God wants you to turn to Him. He wants to you to go to him instead of eating two 
reams of um, cookies. Like, seriously, you'd have to open both of them. Not that I haven't done that. Um, So God is saying, stop walking in darkness. You are a child of the light. Stop bumping into things. When we are in our sin and we can't see it, it's like we are in a dark room. We may be able to go forward, but we're bumping into things left and right. We don't know what's around the bend. And God is saying, when you walk with me, I will light your path. So that guilt, call that conviction. So if God is saying, honey, you need to work on something, you need to turn away from food, or you know what, you do yell at your kids a lot. Let's, let's deal with this anger. He, but he's not, okay, that's your problem, now you fix it. He wants you to come and confess and he says, you know what, girl, I'm going to take you by the hand, by the arm. Sometimes I'm going to carry you and I'm going to walk you into the light and we are going to deal with this together. Because I don't want you bumping into things any longer. I want you to walk in the light. Uh, so that is how God can use guilt in just a great way. And so, if guilt in our lives are, is not drawing us closer to Christ or closer to people in our lives, then there is something broken um, with that. So what should happen is we have sin. We're making something an idol or God is showing us um, we were outright disobedient. He told us to go pray for our neighbor and we didn't. We said, "Uh uh-uh, I don't think so. I'm going to be Jonah and go to Nineveh. Um, And he's like, girl, you just don't mess up. I'm just kidding. Um, So there is sin that happens and then there's this Ooh, this guilt, which um, guilt doesn't feel very good. But then that guilt should move us to repentance. And if after we repent, or guilt may lead me to, you know what, I just was a chump to my husband. He's been loving on me all day, and I was totally rude and snapped at him because I was stressed out. Um, That should move me toward him to repent and to ask for forgiveness. And that, in turn, should lead to restoration. Um, And after that cycle happens again, you know, a lot of times there is a depth of relationship that happens, especially if we begin to repent from big things in our life. Like if we have, if we struggle with anger and God's trying to say, you know what, it's time for you to deal with this and I'm going to walk with you together. As you walk with Christ in that anger and realize where the root of that is coming from, there's a depth of relationship and I hate saying peeling the onion layers, but whatever, I'm going to say it anyway. You peel back the onion layer, um, and you begin to have a depth of relationship with God and with other people that you have never experienced before. So our big warning light should be when we repent and there is no restoration of relationship. When we continue to walk and feeling guilty or feeling shameful about what we've done, That is not from God. And that is not the Holy Spirit. That is the devil. And he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. First, he tempts you to go to those Girl Scout cookies. And then he wants to hold you in bondage by saying, You are stupid. You are fat. You are no good. And those are not messages that are from God. God says, There is no condemnation. Girl, you chose those sentiments, but I love you and I forgive you. Next time, I'm going to help you, and we are going to pick me. Instead, we're going to pick up um, the Bible or call a friend and say, I'm feeling tempted. Um, We're going to walk in a different path, and that will lead to depth of relationship. Okay. So, 
if this is true guilt, which I will call this true guilt, uh, there are false guilt that the devil wants to lay onto us, nice and thick. So one of the causes of false guilt is perfectionism. Um, this is one of my favorite topics because um, I struggle with perfectionism. Unfortunately, I am of the non-functioning variety. Um, I was told that once that, um, yeah, you struggle with perfectionism. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, you're just non-functioning in it. It's like, oh, great. So I might as well, if I'm going to be a perfectionist, I might as well benefit from this and get some stuff done and be perfect. No, not so much. Non-functioning. Um, but non-functioning for perfectionism doesn't work well with kids, right? Um, of all the things that I've wanted to do great and succeed at um, and be perfect was to be a perfect mother. Um, that is the one thing that I didn't want to mess up. I didn't want to screw that up. And I'm sure some of y'all can relate to that. I mean, who wants to say, I want to be a messy, broken, jacked up mother um, to my kid. That's going to be awesome. Um, nobody says that. You know, there is this desire to be a good mother. And there's nothing wrong with desiring to be a good mother, but there is something very broken about desiring to be a perfect mother. Because none of us can be perfect. Um, when I had my babies, I wish um, that I would know, I had known every time that they were really sick, every time that there was an ear infection that I didn't let drag on for a week or two. You know, you, you guys have experienced that. Oh, it's just teething. Or sometimes we have just passionate children, like I have a couple in my house. Um, and so you wait to take them to the doctor, and then you find out, oh, they're really sick. And that guilt of, I am a horrible mother. You know what? You're not just dealing with your sin. You are dealing with their sin too. I have a house full of dramatic children and it's hard sometimes to tell the difference between carrying on and real hurt. And so you know what? I'm going to miss it sometimes. That doesn't mean that I'm a horrible mother. It just means that we live in a sinful world and I'm not God and that is okay. Um, I wish I could stop myself from running my children into things or slamming their fingers into the door. But on the day that God was passing out coordination, he decided that I didn't need that. Which is totally fine. That's okay. I can understand what it's like to be an uncoordinated three-year-old or a two-year-old. That is me. Bruises head to toe. So my poor children have to suffer through that. Which, you know, God gave them hard heads. So that's, that's a good thing. I wish that I never had a bad day, that I was always like Mary Poppins, and it was just a, a spoonful of sugar, and um, things were tulips and wonderful, and we did great fun games all the time, and I sang all the time, and it was wonderful and lovely, but that is not reality. Um, you know, I have stuff that I go through... There is all kinds of sleep deprivation, which can make you a wee bit grumpy sometimes. You know what? We all have our bad days. You know that by your kids. Sometimes there's great days, and sometimes they wake up, and it's like, <laughs> Oh, I have an exorcist child today. What happened when you were sleeping? Um, that's, that's okay. We are sinful. We have to deal with sinful people. We have to de- deal with these sinful little children that we gave birth to. We have to deal with our own sin. It's okay. You know, we're going to mess up. Uh, Jesus was perfect so that we didn't have to be. So um, you're going to have to ditch the standard of perfection if your struggle is perfectionism. You need to realize that that's that's just not a standard that you're ever going to be able to meet. Um, We are all broken, all of us, and we are all imperfect. But God wants to say, you know what, you're broken and you're messy and you're sinful, but I'm going to walk with you in that brokenness and I'm going to begin to put the pieces 
back together. He doesn't do that quickly, unfortunately. And when I first started CR, I was like, put the pieces back together now. I want to be cured. I want to be fun. I'm tired of being messy and broken. But he's like, no, it doesn't work that way. It's slow. God likes that slow process and the slow journey because you get to know him in the meantime. So... Um, ditch perfectionism. You have to. And if you're struggling with that, there's a one, there's wonderful things around here um, that can help you battle perfectionism. Um, I ran across, not ran across, um, the Beatitudes kept ringing in my head when I was thinking about um, just perfectionism. And Matthew 5.3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And here, the poor in spirit, that is us. When we realize that we are poor in spirit, that we are broken, that we are messy, that we are sinful, that is when the kingdom of heaven becomes ours. When we realize our, de- our dependence and our need for a Savior, that is when we get to start experiencing heaven on earth, kingdom here, kingdom come here on earth. But we are trying to operate out of our own will and out of our own strength, and we're trying so hard to be perfect on our own, we don't get to experience that. But once we realize we are sinful and we can't be perfect, man, that's when like, yes, we're blessed. We are poor in spirit. Jesus, sweet Jesus, I need you every day. I need you every hour and I need you every minute. And it only took me four children to realize that. Because I'm stubborn. Okay, so Matthew 5.3 is great. Um, just when you think about that. Um, just another thing, too. Like, I would get so down on myself that I keep struggling with the same thing over and over. Or, um, you know, I would view this list of imperfections or struggles. But I'd like to give you um, just a different view of that. As I've talked to God many times, like, why am I so messed up? And uh, he's told me, um, it's your brokenness and your imperfections that keep me tethered to me. It is your brokenness and your imperfections that help keep you tethered to Christ. So view it that way. When you view it, I struggle with this, and this is the one thing that ties me closer to Christ. Amen. May I have 10,000 imperfections and struggles. If that keeps me relying on Jesus, amen for that. That's not a horrible thing. That's just a, a realization that I need Jesus every single day. Um, And we can't be perfect. Uh, Jesus was perfect. If I was perfect, I wouldn't need Jesus. And then then we would all be in trouble because that would mean I'm God and that would be one messy thing. Um, And in our imperfections, I also just want to remind you that God is sovereign. We're going to mess up. There's going to be little mess ups, but there's going to be some whoppers. And I have this fun feeling that the whoppers are really coming as my kids get older. Like, they're coming. There's going to be times when I'm going to hurt that little girl back there. Like, really hurt her. And not because I want to, but because I am sinful and I am broken. And that's when I have to trust that God is sovereign. That He knew that I would say things that would hurt her with the mouth that He gave me. Um, I would make choices that would harm my children. And not because I want to harm them, but just because I'm a sinner. And that's okay. If I trust that God is sovereign, then I I trust that um, even if I did everything perfect, that my kids could stray to the left instead of the right. You know, I could do everything perfect and I could still have a prodigal child. But ultimately, I want to do the best that God has called me to be as a mother. I want to walk with Him 
as much as I can while being a mother, but ultimately, their fate is in God's hands. It really, really is. Um, I want to share a story with you that really just kind of pointed to me, just God's sovereignty, was um, we had this... um, baseball it's like this soft plastic ball we drill my husband had drilled holes in it had it on a line my boy everybody would go out there and hit the ball um, and then there was a chair that I had brought out there because I wanted it sprayed off because we had the yucky high chair there was all kinds of food up underneath it and so my kids would get on the chair and swing from that because they were playing Diego like pretty harmless um, I'm pretty laid back as a mom sure are you want to play Diego that's great that's awesome well one day uh, my son was playing Diego and he got the rope wrapped around his neck and the ball acted as a lock in that moment thankfully my husband was out mowing the lawn and doing yard work at that time Um, but a couple of my other kids were out there and they were none the wiser Um, my husband just happened to turn around and see him and the, um, later just seeing the petechiae and the bruising around his neck um, was just a reminder that I'm going to mess up, but God is sovereign. You know, sometimes we mess up. And you know what? That probably wasn't the wisest thing to have a chair out there and let them play Diego. How am I supposed to know? They're playing Diego. They're kids. They're boys. Like, how, how am I supposed to see that that could have resulted in the death of my son? But God is sovereign. He has our days numbered. He knows the path that we're going to walk. He places people and circumstances and things in our direction to mold us and shape us. He uses all things for his glory. All things, even our mistakes as a mother. He wants to use all of that for his glory in your life and in your kid's life. And so just seeing that and realizing, thank God, Les was out there. But I send my kids outside all the time to play. Boys need to be, somebody said it, maybe Millie or somebody, they need to be aired out. (laughs) Boys need to go and air out lots. So I said, go air yourself out uh, for many reasons. Um, That could have been a day when I wasn't out there or my husband wasn't out there. But God is sovereign. And so um, just in those times that we make those big mistakes, we've got to remember that. And we've got to cling to that. I have to cling to that hope that God is sovereign despite any kind of mistake or whatever happens to me. The circumstances that arise in my life, God is sovereign. Um, Okay, where are we now? Um, Oh, yeah. So, we can't be perfect mothers, even though some of us really, really want to. We can't be perfect mothers, but we can choose to be godly mothers. And you know what? I would much rather be a godly mother than a perfect mom who wasn't instilling... Sorry. Thank you, allergies. Um, than to be a perfect mother who doesn't love Jesus and who isn't pursuing Christ. So if you're walking with Jesus and you're trying to pursue Christ, that's where God wants you. He doesn't want you to be perfect. So, um, and then just one more thing before we move on. Um, is I, I have some kids that are um, just more sensitive to their sin and they will make mistakes and mess up. Um, and I know sometimes y'all feel like you're constantly saying, no, 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 to your kids. When you mess up and you go to your kids and you ask for forgiveness, that's a great way to model for your kids that you're not perfect either. Let your imperfection point them to Christ who is perfect. And then for them to be able to relate with you, oh, well, mommy's not perfect either. Because in, in their eyes right now, now, as little kiddos, you are perfect. You are wonderful. You are the best mommy 
that ever existed. Even amongst your uh, messiness and our sinfulness, we are the perfect mommy, and they just love us so much. So for you to be able to say, you know what? Mommy struggles too. Mommy has bad days. Mommy is grumpy sometimes. You know, mommy makes bad choices too. That helps them to see that they don't have to strive for perfection either. When we are okay with not being perfect, we don't pass that down to them. And so they don't think that they have to be perfect either because they're forgiven. So just food for thought. Okay, another fun thing that can lead to false guilt is comparison. Um, Women particularly, I think, are notorious for comparing um, one thing to another Um, It comes in all shapes and forms from what somebody looks like on the outside, just appearance-wise. Oh, they dress so cute. Brooke, you are just right there, and you are just so cute. She's always so stylish and and wonderful. I know there could be times, oh, I wish I was stylish like Brooke. But you know what? If everybody was stylish like Brooke, would would Brooke be so stylish? There needs to be some people in T-shirts and jeans that make her gifts stand out. And that's the same thing with all of us. God has given us each different gifts and talents. But if we all had the same thing, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stand out. It wouldn't make a difference. Um, who cares? You know, um, in, a, in an age where everybody gets an award, is it really an achievement if everybody achieves the same? I don't know. I, um, I, I struggle with that. So, um, so there's that kind of a comparison. And then there's also the kind of comparison is just, I'd like to call just terminal uniqueness. Uh, we compare everybody's outside to how we feel on the inside. And so thoughts like, why does everybody else have it together, and but I struggle so much? Why does that mama with eight kids have it together, and I just have one, and I am a total train wreck? There's that kind of comparison. And that is, that is straight from the pit, too. Because you are judging somebody's outside. It's not like I go up to, um, let me look at a name. I don't go up to Erica and say, hi, Erica, I'm Desi, and this is all my junk, blah, 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 so that she can compare each other. She'll only be able to see what I tell her or what she thinks that she sees in me or maybe the good day that I have with my kids. She doesn't see those moments when I'm at home like, Luke Brown, you know, I'm going to strangle you right now. Uh, She doesn't see that, you know. She doesn't see the times when I have spanked my kids in anger. She... She has no clue. She doesn't know my deepest fears, my deepest struggles. She has no clue. And yet we do that. It's so foolish. We will take somebody that we see and compare ourselves and say, man, I really wish I could be that person. You don't know. You may be better than that person. You have no idea. Your junk just may stink more than that person, right? Or because you have inside depth to your own struggles you don't know what somebody else is dealing with or what somebody else is struggling with you do not know so stop comparing it's not good it's on a false reality Um, one of the things I used to do as a mom was peruse blogs we are in the age of blogging blogging is so fabulous and so evil all at the same time I would jump on a blog and see these wonderful crafts and meals and things that moms were making and I would be like oh my gosh I'm a total loser like I'm not 
doing any of this stuff. We're not making memories like that. I'm not busting out the paint. When I bust out paint with my kids, I am grinding my teeth like, please, don't paint your brother or all over the wall. Like, please, don't do that. And yet, I would look at a blog and... Those moms are smiling. Those children are smiling. And they have pain out every single day. And it must be wonderful and great at their house. Blogs are a false reality. Like, rarely would I see on those blogs that I yelled at my husband today. Or, I kicked my dog today. You don't, you don't see that. You know, you don't see that at all. I forgot my kids' lunch today. You don't see the messy junk. Um, you don't see that I struggle with insecurity, and so that's why I have this blog, so I can feel better about myself. You don't see any of that. You just see shiny, happy people. And I would judge myself from that. And some of y'all have done that. Y'all have jumped on the Internet, and y'all have looked at a blog, and you said, I don't measure up to this. Well, let me tell you, my friends, that is BS, because that is, that is false reality. You are guilting and shaming yourself over something that is not even true. It's like you going to a magazine rack and looking at that woman on the cover and saying, I don't have her size or I don't have her stomach because she's been airbrushed. That is not reality. She don't have those thighs. Yeah, she don't have those thighs. And neither do I. But that's okay. God didn't create me that way. So I don't need to compare myself to her anyway. Um, so, so we need to stop comparing ourselves. It is not good. I think the only way that comparison can be good is if it spurs us on to um, being closer to Christ. Like, I may be in a grumpy old mood, and I'm just, I don't have maybe, and I'm grumpy because I didn't get my way, or I'm not getting Starbucks today, or whatever it is. And I stop and think about the people in Haiti. I can turn on my faucet, and there is clean drinking water. Right? So when I stop and think about what they are going through and all the poor things that I think that I'm struggling with and suffering with, when I compare that, that moves me to thankfulness. Thank you, Jesus, that I have all these blessings that I take for granted so often. And not to be down on myself that, oh, I should be thanking on this horrible person for being um, ingracious for what God has given me. No, but when I turn that and think, you know what? I should change my attitude around and I should be grateful for what God has given me. And all these things that I think that are so bad, they're really not that bad at all when I compare um, what Christ has done for me on the cross. So when it spurs you on closer to Christ, by all means, compare. But if it does not and it gets all up into your guilt and shame, stop it. Stop it, I tell you. Stop comparing. Uh, um, when I think about comparison, you guys, you ladies may have already gone there. But I definitely, I go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, where um, God talks about just the body of Christ and who we are. And um, at the beginning of this chapter, he talks about, does an eye go to an ear and say, I wish I was an ear? Does an ear go to a foot and say, I wish I was a foot? It doesn't work that way. Like our bodies would not work that way if we all had feet all around us. And that's how Christ's body works. Um, If we were all the same and all had the same talents and abilities and gifts, we would be jacked up. We would get hardly anything accomplished to God. Um, I often compare to this, if everybody was like me, nothing would get done. Right? So so there's some type A mamas who are like, I wish I was more back like you. I wish I was type B. I could just be blah, blah, blah. You know what? We need you type A's out there. I need you or else the world would not get anything done. We would be too laid back. This world would 
crumble into chaos. So we need each other to balance each other out. We definitely need each other. So um, this is 1 Corinthians 12, 27-30. It says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracle, miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration. You hear that, ladies? Those of you who put yourself down, I only have the gift of administration. I love you, and we need you. It's right there. And those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No, that's, that was never God's plan. If you see something in a sister that you really admire, instead of saying, oh, I, wish, I really wish that I had Brooke's sense of style and her creativity. Should I do that? No, Brooke... Girl, I love your style, and I love your creativity, and one day you're going to come over to my house and make it good. Let us learn from each other. Let's learn from each other. If you know somebody that's a good cook, instead of saying, I'm a horrible cook, go to your friend and say, hey, girl, can you give me some cooking lessons, some tips on how to do this better? We're the body of Christ. God wants us to rely on each other. If we had it all figured out, if we could do it all on our own, we wouldn't need each other. And that's not what God is calling us to. He's saying rely on one another. Be the body together. So stop the comparison. And if there's something that somebody has that you want, ask them. They would love, 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 love to give you insight on how to cook better, or how to sew, or how to make a cake, or how to. I just use those because I don't have any of those um, gifts. Um, but we all need we all need different things. And if you need somebody to watch your kids, I would love to. I would love to watch your kids. I can do that. I can watch kids, but I can't do anything else. Um, so stop the comparison. Um, God didn't have a day off when he created you. He didn't see you and say, I'm going to give this person all the gifts of the world, and I'm going to give you nothing. You know, that's not what God does. He didn't do that. He didn't mess up when he gave you the gift of whatever you had that you're like, oh, but all I can do is watch kids. That's all I can do. I can't cook or clean or do anything else. Hey, I can watch your kids so that you can cook for me or cook for somebody else in need or get me organized. Like we, God has given us um, all different things. It's for him. It's not about us. Once we get it off of us and the guilt and the shame and the comparison just tends to melt away. So um, just again with that, as you are comparing and you see other mothers and um, you think, God, I really wish that I could be that mom. If I was that mom, I would be the mom that I wanted to be. God knew your strengths and God knew your weaknesses and he knew your child. And he knew that your child specifically needed to be in your home. Just needed to be in your home. There are some of you who have kids that would be dropped into my house as my child and they would freak out. They'd be like, I don't understand why my mom is singing in the parking lot. Why does she sing in the store? Why is everybody so dramatic in this family? I just don't understand. They would freak out. Why is there no order? Why is it always chaotic? Well, that's why your child is not in my home. You know, God knows. He knows who he created us to be. And so your child is supposed to be with you. He did not mess up. The stork did not bring the wrong baby. Just because we helped make the baby, just because it was your little egg and your husband's little sperm and y'all happened to decide that that was what was going to happen, you didn't make that baby. God did. He knew that baby was going to come into your home and that you would be the perfect mother for that child. And so stop comparing. 
Let's be the body and celebrate each other. Um, if you if you see something in your your sister that you wish that you had, tell her about it. You know, just tell her. You know what? I really notice that you have the gift of encouragement, and I really appreciate that. As I could I could do better, and so that spurs me on towards wanting to be better at encouragement. So encourage one another. So now we've just kind of covered some of the things that false guilt can do. Uh, I mean, some of the um, reasons for false guilt. I'm sure there are a plethora of reasons for false guilt, just numerous ones. But I have no clue what time it is, but I'm sure that I probably have to move it on up. So what does false guilt do? So if you have false guilt, if you're feeling guilty about things that um, out of insecurity or for reasons that you shouldn't feel guilty about, um, who cares? Why, why do we care about that? I feel guilty and it's fine. It's not affecting anybody. Well, it does affect it affects you and it affects the people around you. So when we have false guilt and we wear that comfy, cozy guilt coat and just wear that around because it's comfortable, the focus is on us. It's not on God. And God keeps saying, it's not about you. It's not about you. So stop feeling guilty. It's not about you. It's about God and what He wants to accomplish through you. It's not about what you can do. It's about what you can do through God. And if you're so self-reliant, if you're so stuck on you, you're missing out. You're missing out not only on um, kingdom here on earth, you're missing out on being used by God in crazy ways. When we have our eyes fixed on Him and it's not about us, He wants to... Speak to us donkeys. I mean, he wants to do all kinds of crazy things with us, but we miss out on it if we're too focused on ourselves. Um, it, also, what can happen just a long time is twisted theology. Our theology just gets all jacked up. When it's all focused on us and we are focused on false guilt, we enter a system of works-based grace. And that was something that God never intended. While we were sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. There's nothing that we could do. He's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to walk with Him in relationship. And if we are walking with Him in relationship and choosing that, He is the one who is going to change us and transform us. We don't have to do that. We can't do it. We're... We really are too dumb to do it by ourselves. But God loves us anyway. We're dumb, but we're precious all at the same time. We are so precious. And he wants to do that. So, um, a feet, oh, Isaiah 9, blah, blah, I probably put that in somewhere. Um, let me go to the, this. Okay, so here we go. So what false guilt does, it keeps the focus on you instead of the cross. And so Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 is, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this... And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's not about you. It's about what God has done. And, but if we are walking with God, you are going to see a change in your life. If you say that you've been a Christian and you have stayed the same, if you came to Christ five years ago and you are the same person, we need to reevaluate if you're really walking with Christ or if you're just kind of walking with yourself um, instead. So um, there should be a change. We should change. God loves us and he loves you just the way that you are. But he don't want to keep us where we're at. He's got big plans for you. And so he wants to move us and grow us closer to him. Um, Another thing, just twisted theology, is just legalism. We think that we're perfect and we're righteous. It's out of our insecurity and we feel so guilty all the time that we have to hold on to, um, I don't know, whatever we think that makes us holy or pure. And Isaiah 64, 6 says, all of us have the... All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So 
So all the things that we think were so awesome, they're like filthy rags to God. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. This is just the reality of it. So legalism, because Isaiah 64 says differently, we can't earn our own righteousness. Um, another thing that happens, which is, this is really sad, it keeps us in bondage. This is not why Christ came to die on the cross. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus wants us out of bondage. Let Jesus wins, right? Let's live that freedom, that abundant life that Christ wants us to live. Let's not let the devil have his heyday with us. Let's live in freedom. Let's not be in his bondage. You were made in Christ's image, and so the day that you accepted Christ into your heart, he lost. He is the big fat loser. He no longer has your soul, but he wants to try to make it as miserable for you as he possibly can. He does not want you to live in the abundant freedom that Christ has. He doesn't. So he's going to try to throw guilt in your, in your way, shame in your will, and everything else under the sun to try to throw you off of that abundant life. And I say, let's oh, get angry. Let that get angry that he wants to do that. If you are living in bondage right now and you've heard any of this, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in bondage. Kick him. It's time to kick him. Let's live in freedom. Let's join together and let's live in freedom. Let's not live in this bondage anymore. Let's live in the, fr- the freedom that Christ has, has for us on the cross. And then, um, and now this is, is the scarier thing, is when we continue to live out of guilt and shame, We wrap that up in a bow and we pass it on to our kids. There's probably a reason that you struggle with guilt and shame. Um, Something that happened in your past. You may have grown up in a home that love was conditional. You may have been shamed. You may have been the child um, that got told you are stupid because you spilled your milk. And so that was wrapped up. Your parents' shame was wrapped up and it was passed on to you. And so that's the scarier thing. If you um, can't find it in yourself to love yourself enough to move towards freedom and out of bondage, do it for your babies. Walk with Christ so that you are breaking the, the cycle and the patterns. Because we don't want to do that to our kids. And even if you do, God is sovereign over that. Even the junk that we pass on, which we are because we're sinful, God is sovereign in that. And He knows. And He's, he's going to use that for His glory. If we allow him to. So that is what false guilt does. So, um, how do we break this cycle? And Romans 12.2, I mean, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you are wrapped up in shame and guilt, ask that God comes in and, and transforms your mind. Because that's really what you need. Um, and that's really what we all need. We need to continually be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Um, and, and, and to be focused on what God would have us instead of getting wrapped up and getting um, false guilt put on us because our kids aren't in this perfect preschool or because our kids aren't playing baseball or because of all those crazy things that can cause us to freak out or have guilt in Dallas. Don't be transformed by this world. What does God say is important? Um, stop reading those books. If it says to do it a, a certain way, if if it's not biblical, who cares? Who cares? It's just a matter of opinion. Who cares? Um, if it is biblical, your community group better pounce. <laughs> um, so uh, be transformed by the renewing of, of your mind. Ah, okay. So 
So how do we do that? First of you, some of you, like me, have had that comfy coat. You've been your worst enemy. You are the one who is constantly barraging yourself with shameful thoughts, guilty thoughts, um, all kinds of stuff. And that's when we need to start taking those little by little captive. When we walk up and we dump the chair over um, and it's a mistake, instead of saying, I am so clumsy, I'm so stupid, and when that goes through our head, we hold it captive. No, I just made a mistake. I just ran into the chair. It's fine. Um, when we yell at our kid, you know what? I didn't get much sleep last night. I'm not a horrible mother. I had a bad moment. I had a bad day, and it's okay. And it's okay. So we need to start taking those thoughts captive. Ask for forgiveness and move on. Um, and the best way to do that, because... Shame and guilt, it is just so comfortable. It's so uncomfortable, especially for those of you who get compliments and you're like, like, I don't know how to rub that in. It is uncomfortable at first. It is uncomfortable to look in the mirror and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And, And when that message says, I am a bad mother, having to repeat, I am a good mother. That feels uncomfortable sometimes. Some of y'all were unable to answer one thing that makes you an awesome mom. So it is uncomfortable. It is not, it's not what you're used to. But we need to keep moving forward and do that. And replace that lie with truth about who God says. Those lies, take them captive. As Sue Boland says, tag it. And grab the lie and say it. And even if you don't believe it, the more that you do it, your heart will start to respond. We've got to get the knowledge that we have up in our head, up into our hearts. Um, another, uh, another thing that helps us, well, that's helped me, like, uh, that I will share, is I call the 365 experiments. And that's 365 days in the Word. And not just reading it. It's writing about what God has told me in that. I think some of you are like, yeah, I read the Bible every day. But are you just checking the box or are you really searching for what God is speaking to you specifically? Because I feel like the Word of God is is living and it's breathing and it's moving. And that's what Hebrew says. So are we using that? So one day, one year, you may read this verse and it means one thing. And the next year, it may mean something totally different. This year, the thing that I keep seeing is self-reliance. Like everything is self-reliance, self-reliance, self-reliance. So God's just saying, you need to rely on me. And at the same time, he's saying, you're self-reliant, but I love you. I love you. Come to me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Come to me. So if you do that... I say get accountability because if you're like me, I am not self-driven. I need somebody to ride me if I'm not doing what I say that I'm going to do. Email your community group. Email me. If you're like, I struggle with guilt and shame, get in the Word. That is a thing that is going to transform you. You're going to be reminded every day that you are loved. You're going to be reminded who God is. That even though that we are sinful and we mess up, God pursues you at great lengths. And He doesn't want to keep you in this guilt and shame. So, um, Sunday can testify. She has joined on, and some other um, women in Building Blacks have jumped on in with me. And, and it's crazy what God will do. It is crazy how God will transform you. Um, and I say 365 days in a row. Like, um, and no guilt when you miss a day. Just jump back in. But be in the Word. Write down, journal. Let God speak to you in that. Don't just read the words. Eat the words and let them transform you. Um, if you um, read the Bible, it, uh, let me back up just a little bit. I used to read the Word and I would get angry. Like, I would read it and I would get angry. 
it wasn't comforting so much. Really what it did was make me angry. And so what I realized is that there is some brokenness in here. Um, there is something that needs to be changed. So um, my recovery started with Celebrate Recovery. You know, I realized I grew up from a dysfunctional home. And so my view of God was twisted and distorted. So I went to Celebrate Recovery um, because I wanted to get closer to God. So do that. If you realize I am broken, I need help, go do that. Watermark is awesome. They provide child care. Um, there's so many great resources for you here. Some of you are in bondage to shame and guilt because you have things in your past, an abortion that you haven't dealt with. I think the statistics are maybe one in three women get an abortion. So look at your table. There are women around you that have um, been deceived and who have fallen to that and your heart is broken and it is bleeding and you believe the lies that Satan keeps telling you. But you are forgiven and you are free and someone cares and someone cares is a ministry here. Get healed. Do not let Satan hold you in that bondage any longer. For some of you, it may be sexual abuse. For me, that was my story. I carried the shame of sexual abuse. And for so long, I was like, oh, I can talk about it. Um, it's no big deal. It wasn't a big deal. I would, com- I would do the comparison. I would compare my story to somebody else's. And so, ah, oh, it's not really that big of a deal. But shame and guilt had crept into every single area of my life because of it and one in four women and that one in four women have been affected by sexual abuse and that's women who think who report it right I've had several conversations just in the last week of women who would not have considered it abuse but it was so I'm I think that the statistics the statistics are much higher than that and that alters how you view the world how you view God that keeps you in bondage to shame and guilt and that's been part of your story shelter from the storm is amazing my husband can tell you it has changed every single aspect of my life removing that shame and guilt that was never mine to bear I I thought I was messed up broken dirty but I'm not And I can say that and believe it because of what God has walked me through. So some of you can resonate with that. And if so, I am so sorry and I would love to talk to you about it. But God has a hope for you and he's got a bigger plan for your life. And he too wants to restore you so that you can understand the precious daughter that you are. Um, So there is help. So if you are not being transformed by reading the word, I would just encourage you, is there something there? Is it something there that I need some additional help? And I don't want to tout self-help or whatever, but God has used certain things in order for us to move closer to him. Um, Someone cares, shelter, celebrate recovery, all those, re-engage, all those things are not about fixing you. It's about getting you closer to God. So think about that. And um, I don't know what time it is. Oh, okay. That's great. Okay, so we have some time. Y'all will have some time. So, um... All right, so just to end off, um, just to end on a biblical case study for guilt-free living, um, Paul is one of my favorite people um, in the Bible, and he had a messy past. Like, he was, he was God's enemy. He was saying, you believe in Christ? Like, he was zealous about that and going hard after that. But if you read his word, he's not sitting there like, Oh, God, I totally messed up. I'm just the most horrible person on the face of the planet. No. God came down and said, Paul, Saul, I am changing your life, and you are now Paul. And he ran hard to Christ. And he didn't allow the devil to gain victory over his past. And so um, I've always found great comfort 
in the Pauline letters, um, especially when I first decided to give it back up to Christ and really throw all in. I've had so much shame and guilt over my past choices and mistakes. I didn't think that God could use me, um, especially as he was calling me into student ministry. I was like, God, I was crazy as a teenager. Crazy. And he said, I don't care if you were crazy. I'm going to use that to help other kids. And he has the same thing for you. I don't care if you were sinful. I don't care what mistake you made. I don't care what was done to you. I'm going to take that and I'm going to use it for my glory. If you trust me, I will take it and use it for my glory. And so Paul is awesome. Um, in Philippians he says, not that I have already obtained all of this. So I'm saying that too. I do not have this down. I struggle. Struggle, struggle, struggle. So with shame and guilt. But not that I have already attained all of this or have already been made perfect. And I don't believe that we are until we are dead and in heaven. Our physical bodies are dead and we are in heaven. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So... You've made a mistake. You've asked for forgiveness. Don't dwell on it. Keep moving forward. Keep pressing on. Keep running the race. Keep going. Keep being a mother to that child. Don't let it hold you captive. Keep going. Keep pressing forward. Keep shoving Satan down. Keep going. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. If you've been walking for, with Christ for a while and you are holding on to the shame and guilt, it is time to change. We're mature. Let's move on to maturity. Let's strip off this bondage that we're in. Where am I? And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. So if you don't believe me right now or you're reading the Word and you're like, I'm fine with my shame and guilt, let God tell you differently. Read the Word and let Him tell you lovingly and in a kind, wonderful way that He does it. Um, only let us live up to what we have already attained. So Philippians 3, 12 through 16. You are not defined by your past. You are not defined by today. You are defined by Christ. Let us run wholeheartedly to finding our identity in Christ. Really, how confident would we be if we truly knew who we were? How confident would we be as wives, as, women, as mothers, as friends? Confident. And we don't know who we are in Christ unless we are looking daily to find out who we are in Christ. Um, so, I'm going to end on that. Right now, um, we are blessed. We have babies. We have kids. Either we had them ourselves or we adopted. We're all adopted in God's family, so adoption is awesome. Um, there's no higher call than to be a mother. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Some of you struggle with, but I'm just a mother. You are a mother. That is awesome. There's nothing greater that you're going to do than to touch and mold the lives of children. That is a wonderful blessing and a wonderful gift. So let's embrace it. Let's enjoy it. It's a blessing. Let's enjoy it. And let's enjoy those little blessings that God has blessed us with. Even on days they don't really feel like blessings. Um, So let's cling to Christ and let's run towards freedom and let's drag our kids with us. Hopefully not so dragging. So I'm just going to end off again in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. If there's anything in your life that is causing you bondage or guilt or shame, that's the devil right there. He's after you. It's not like he's just like, okay, I'll do it. And if he's not after you, then there's something wrong. I'm sorry. You are not on the right path. If you are on the right path, he is after. he's out to get you. He wants to get you and drag you down. But Jesus has come that they may have life and that we may live it to the full. So let's live it to the full. Let's do it.
do it to the full, not the fill, full fill. So let's do that. Um, let me pray for us as we jet on, uh, or questions or whatever. Okay. Okay. Father God, I just thank you so much for these women, Lord. I thank you that there is no condemnation in you. And I pray that each and every one of these women and their children would grow to know that, Lord, that condemnation would be a word um, that they have victory over, Lord. And I just pray um, against any false guilt or shame that these women may have have felt um, just in the past, Lord. And if it's uh, to spur them on to spend more time with you, Lord, and I pray that they would do that, Lord. And I pray that they would clear their schedules and find time to strip away the distractions, uh, to be that godly mother that you've called them to be. Not a perfect mother, but a godly mother. But that is just so much better, Lord. And if there's more hurts, Lord God, um, that's holding them back, Lord, I pray that you would gently expose that, Lord God, and just lead them on that path. Remind them that they are precious, Lord, and that one day they would fully know that if they don't know that already. We thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.